This is the Calvary Bible Church Podcast. Thanks for listening in today. We're praying this message encourages you. Learn more about Calvary and join us online each Sunday for services at calvarybible.com. Thanks for joining us for worship today online at Calvary. Today we're going to look at some of the principles and practices that disciples do in their life. Jesus came into the world and he made disciples, followers of himself, and then taught us to make disciples. And the marks of discipleship are many, but we're looking at them through the months of summer. And today we're going to return to our look at prayer. I want you to take your phone. You probably have a phone nearby. And if you're worshiping with a couple other people, just look and compare your contact list. Who's the most famous person in your contact list? Just talk among yourselves and find that. Can you imagine in today's day and age if you could have Jesus in your contact list and you could shoot a text to Jesus and know that he would receive it? And then you'd be looking at your phone waiting as the bubbles appear and there's some answer forming and you're waiting for him to return a reply to you. Well, that's the way we communicate with each other. And prayer is one of the ways we communicate with God. And in much more profound ways than a text, our Lord loves to answer prayer. He wants to answer prayer, and he invites us to come to him in all parts of our life to say, Lord, I need you. Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, be with me. Lord, help me. He delights to answer our prayers. He taught his disciples how to pray. We know he's a prayer answering God, and today we want to take a glimpse at not only what Jesus said about prayer, but how he modeled it. And we want to look at his life. What were the ways in which Jesus prayed? And when were the times that most shaped his prayer life that are captured for us in the Bible? Of course, we would say that Jesus was always in communion with his Father. He was always talking to his heavenly Father. But there are several glimpses of the life of Jesus in which he particularly relied upon prayer. I want to look at those with you. So if you have your Bible, let's open together, and we're going to go to the Gospels. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4 is the inauguration of Jesus' ministry in the world. We don't know that much about his early life, but we know when he was about 30 years of age, he began his ministry. And the end of chapter 3 has an event that we often look at as the moment when his ministry in the world first became public. It was his baptism with John the Baptist. So it's actually Matthew 3 and verse 16. It says, And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, And coming to rest on him, and behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. That event, the baptism of Jesus, is the beginning launch of his ministry publicly. And after that, he lived three and a half years before his ultimate execution on the cross. And in those three and a half years, He ministered the truth of God and miracles and teachings and healings. And in that ministry, he performed the will of God. What's most interesting is that before he went public with his ministry, 
he spent 40 days alone in the wilderness praying. And that's the way chapter four begins. He was starting a new season of his life. And I would just suggest to you, first of all, that one of the times that as disciples of Jesus, we should always pray is when we start a new season. For Jesus, this season was the start of a three and a half year ministry. And so he began it alone with God out in the wilderness in a total display of self-denial, no food for 40 days, alone with God, praying. And then he began the ministry afterwards. And I understand this to underscore a really important truth, that Jesus had a public ministry, but before he had a public ministry, he bathed it in 40 days of prayer alone with God. Because those of us who are in ministry know you really cannot have a God-glorifying public life of ministry if you don't have a private life with God. And so Jesus launched out alone. So I just want to say, one of the things we learned from Jesus that before certain things happen, he saturated that event or that season in prayer. His ministry began that way. I don't know what season you're in in your life. Maybe you're starting a new job. If you're starting a new job, that's a new season. And I think Jesus would model for us, begin that in prayer. Or maybe you're getting married this summer. And if you're starting a new life as a married couple, the way to begin it is in prayer. Maybe you're having kids this year and you're going to start learning how to pray for your children. Or perhaps, hopefully, some of you are going to go off to college if it happens this year. Are you praying for college this year? You're going to high school. You're going to go to middle school. It's a new season for you. I think just looking at the life of Jesus would say, it's the right pattern to launch into a new season in prayer. Some of you may have retired this year. Are you praying about your retirement? Do you know what you're going to do in the next season of your life? Prayer is the means by which we put ourselves in line with God's will for our own life by submitting ourselves to him through prayer. I really think that's what Jesus was doing in the wilderness. Now, there's another glimpse that when his ministry gets underway in another book, it's our key verse for today, Mark chapter 1 and verse 35, we see a little glimpse of the way Jesus begins his everyday life. And it simply says there, and rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. According to the very first chapter of Mark, this is the way Jesus began his life of ministry. Early in the morning, still dark, before the sun's up, he goes out alone to a desolate place and he plants himself there before a very busy day. And he does that as the rhythm of his life, early in the morning, alone with God. Do you have a place like that? Do you have a place that you go to on a regular, systematic basis to be alone with God before you start your day? This is just a picture of the example of Jesus. He's beginning this ministry season and every day he's getting up early, being alone in a desolate place to pray. Um, I have a friend named Rob. He's a pastor down in Austin, Texas, and I got to visit him uh, a number of months ago. And I was going to a conference with him, but staying in his home. 
And we were going to have breakfast in the mornings. As so the morning drill was, you just come down and sit at the table and there's coffee and muffins and fruit there. And Rob and I were at the table and all at once the hall closet opened up and out of the closet, the coats parted and Rob's wife, Kathy, came out of the coat closet and sat down at the table. And after we exchanged good morning, I said, Kathy, did you just come out of the coat closet? She said, oh yeah, that's my prayer closet. I said, could you show it to me? So we went over and she opened the door and pushed the coats back. And there was a small space, about eight square feet. And there was a prayer rug on the floor. There was a world map on one wall. There were pictures of young women that she was discipling. And that was her prayer closet, a desolate place. I wonder if you have a place like that, that you begin your day, that you begin your life in whatever season you are, I need to begin with prayer. That's the way Jesus began. That Mark section, uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 36 and 37, um, says, when Jesus was in this desolate place, Simon Peter came to him and those who were with him searching for him. And when they found him, they said to him, hey, everyone's looking for you. And I love the picture of that. Jesus is alone with God to start his day And the pressures come in and say, everybody wants you. And Jesus knew that what God wants most from us is prayer, even if other people want other things. He had his priorities straight. That's the way he began his day. And that's the way he began his ministry season. So we're in COVID season. We're in a new season and a new reality. I wonder if praying more has been our experience. Um, Are you praying more or less in this season? The next season is going to be the opening up of our life again. It's a new season to pray. In whatever season you are, I want to encourage you, pray without ceasing. That's the very first thing we learned from Jesus as he began his ministry life. The second event that happens right here in Matthew chapter 4, though, is that the reason Jesus goes off into the wilderness to pray for 40 days as he begins his ministry is he knows what's on the other side of 40 days. Chapter 4, verse 1 says, uh, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And what ensues in chapter 4 is the temptation of Jesus. Now just think about the sequencing. 40 days of prayer and then facing his arch enemy in a ruthless display of arrogant temptation trying to make Jesus throw off all of his prerogatives, all of his rightful place as the son of God and to yield to temptation. Second thing I want want to say about prayers, when do I pray? I I want to learn how to pray when you face temptation. Whenever you face temptation, the right response is always prayer. And Jesus models it here in a beautiful way by being alone with God in the wilderness. Um, 
alone with God so that he could strengthen his life. Obviously, when he faces this temptation, he's relying on his knowledge of the scripture, his anointing of the Holy Spirit who was upon him, the Father's love for him, and Jesus faced temptation being fortified with prayer. Now, let's think about that. When I'm most severely tempted, prayer is usually the last thing I think of. But in fact, that's what Jesus actually said. When his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, the last line is, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. That, that's always part of our prayers. Lead us away from sin. Lead us to the will of God. And when you face a temptation, when I face temptation, I've got to train my heart to say, Lord, help me. Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, help me know the cost of falling to this sin. Lord, help me know the beauty of being obedient and experiencing the joy of your presence in my heart in the midst of this temptation. When did Jesus pray? When he started a new season and when he faced temptation. That's when we have to pray as well. Jesus reiterates this truth at the very end of his life when he's in the garden with his disciples and he's in the garden again praying which we'll look at again in a moment but he asked his disciples his three closest friends to come and pray with him and when he came to his disciples he found them sleeping and he said to Peter so could you not watch with me for one hour wow that's a convicting question could you not watch with me for one hour and then Jesus said this word in verse 41, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Watch and pray. The antidote for temptation is praying. God, help me. God, be merciful to me. God, give me strength in this moment. And then Jesus said this line, for the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. And I love that Jesus appreciates the weakness of human flesh. And he says, you need to pray and ask for the strength of God. Lead us not into temptation. You know, it takes a lot of work to cultivate in ourselves the discipline that when we're being tempted to watch something we shouldn't, to buy something we shouldn't, to say something we shouldn't, or to not carry out something we know God's leading us to do. It's in that moment that we should pray, God, help me in this moment to do what I know the Lord would do. It's a communion with him in which we shoot him a text and say, Lord, would you help me in this moment? Deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation. That's always a time to prayer but it's often hard. The third episode in the life of Jesus that I think answers the question, when should I pray, is when you have a big decision. When you have a big decision. And Jesus faced a number of big decisions, but we get a glimpse into one of the biggest decisions he had to make in Luke chapter 6 and verse 12 and 13. In verse 12, we read these words, in those days, now this is Luke 6, so it's in the early stages of his ministry. In those days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer. Think about that for a moment. All through the night, Jesus is alone up on the mountain. He's praying all through the night. 
I was trying to think this week if I had ever prayed all night long. I've prayed many hours into the night, but Jesus stayed the whole night in prayer. Why? Well, the next verse tells us why. Verse 13 says, and when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12 whom he named the apostles. So think about that sequence. I'm praying all night, and in the morning, I make this decision. These 12 men will be my disciples. They will be the apostles of the church. I wonder what Jesus was grappling with in the night. Will Thomas ever fully believe me? Will Matthew leave his life as a tax collector? And I wonder if he wrestled with God about selecting Judas, the one who would betray him, the one who would desert everything that Jesus taught. In the night, he was wrestling with God because he had a really big decision to make. And I think it's always right to bathe our decisions in prayer. And I don't know if you have a big decision ahead of you. I've had to make a number of decisions in my life. And I look back and remember some of them fondly because I know at the very right moment, God intervened and answered my prayer. I've probably told the story over the years, but Lucy and I went through seminary praying that God would bring us to a church at which we would be able to stay for a long time. We prayed that God would give us a church for the duration of our ministry. And it turned out that a church we first interviewed at fell apart and I ended up living in my parents' basement for eight months. And finally, at the end of eight months, we had three options in Princeton, New Jersey, someplace in Connecticut, and one in Boulder, Colorado. And I remember distinctly sitting down one evening at my parents' kitchen table, praying over these three opportunities. And I made the decision with Lucy earlier that evening that we were going to call the church in Boulder, Colorado and say, please take our name off the list. We're going to go to Princeton, New Jersey. We're pretty sure that's where we're going to end up. And I was waiting till 11 p.m. to make the call to Calvary Bible Church in Boulder and say, please take my name off the list. And at two minutes to 11, the phone rang and it was Calvary Bible Church. And they said, we we just wanted to call and say to you, we really believe you're God's man for our church. And I said, yeah, I was just about to call you. (laughs) But I was going to call and say, uh, I'm not interested. And when that happened in that moment, I knew God was answering my prayers. You know, the Bible says that a man plans his steps, but God establishes his path. And that's what God was doing at the very 11th hour, literally stepping in and redirecting me when we had a big decision. And sort of the rest is history. I'm so thankful God brought me to Colorado to this church where I've been able to pastor for all these years. And I know that was an answer to prayer, even though I wasn't seeing it at that very moment. Last year, we began to pray together, God, where would you have Calvary Bible Church move next? And in remarkable answers to prayer over the last 18 months, God has been working in our church and leading us to a new campus in Thornton, which we're so excited about. If you have a big decision ahead of you, you just look at the life of Jesus. When he had this decision to make, he spent the night in prayer. 
I want to encourage you to have confidence in praying about decisions, great and small, and know that God delights to hear us when we pray, and you can reach out to him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, the Proverbs say. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. And that direction comes as we pray, and God steps in and answers. So Jesus prayed when? When he started a new season of life in public ministry, um, when he had to make a big decision, when he had to face temptation. And there's another beautiful episode, the fourth one, when Jesus experienced grief. When he experienced grief, he went to prayer. This is sort of a grotesque episode in the New Testament in which the forerunner to the ministry of Jesus, John the Baptist, is executed in the most gruesome way and his head is brought on a platter to Herodias and her daughter. And it's just a terrible episode in Matthew chapter 14. His execution um, shows the, the worst in human depravity. On the other side of it, the disciples came and took the body of John the Baptist and they buried it. And then they went and told Jesus about it. And Matthew chapter 14, verse 13, has these words. Now, when Jesus heard this, that John had been executed, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. Remember, you saw a desolate place in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. It's where Jesus would go to pray. Here in grief, Jesus returns to isolation. He goes to be alone with God because he knows that the only one who can truly console his heart at the gruesome execution of his friend is God himself because God is near to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. And Jesus knows that he must be alone with God in his grief. There's another episode of Jesus seeing his good friend Lazarus die. And Mary, the sister of Lazarus, calls to Jesus and asks him if he'll come. And he said, I will come. And she says, oh, if you'd only been here yesterday, he wouldn't have died. And Jesus said, no, I have prayed that what is going to happen here will be for the glory of God. And then Jesus weeps at the tomb of Lazarus. And then he prays to his father again in the presence of those friends. This is in John 11. And he says, Father, I thank you that you're going to answer my prayer. And you're going to raise Lazarus to glorify yourself and show that I have come from you. And he calls out and raises Lazarus, all bathed in prayer. If you're in grief, if you have loss, if you have sorrow, the place to go is God. The Psalms are the prayer book for lament. They are the prayer book when our heart is grieved within us. Psalm 42 says, oh, my heart is downcast, but I will yet hope in God. Psalm 42 lays out again and again the psalmist's prayer. I'm so discouraged. God, help me hope in you. I will yet hope in you because you are my refuge and my salvation. If you're in grief today, we're grieving a lot of things. I want to encourage you, go to God in prayer. When is the time to pray? When you have sorrow. 
Those four episodes in the life of Jesus teach us something about his prayer life. There's one more. There's many more. But I want you to look at one more. Turn in your Bible to uh, chapter 26 of Matthew. The last episode that I want to bring to your attention is that Jesus prays when God's will is not yet his will. And I want to encourage you to pray, to learn how to pray, when the will of God that you know is not yet what you truly want. You know the story. Jesus is in the garden with his disciples, and he pulls the disciples aside, Peter, James, and John, and he begins to be sorrowful, and he tells them, I'm sorrowful, and my soul is troubled. My soul is very sorrowful, he says, even unto death. You remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and he prayed. I love that in this moment, very near the end of his life, his responses on his face before his father in prayer. But listen to his words. My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. If it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but you will. And in a beautiful snapshot, Jesus says, I grieve that I must travel through this suffering. And I know what it will entail, my separation from my father and being forsaken on behalf of sinners and being left alone separated from my Father who is in heaven. Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass. But, ultimately, not my will. I want your will. There are some times that we pray and we're wrestling with God about something and we think we know what God wants or maybe it's a very clear statement that God's telling you you should do something and you know full well, perhaps, you should not be involved in this relationship or you should not be involved in this habit and you know that's the will of God for you but you're wrestling with God and you need to say Lord I want your will my desire is this but I know what your will is sometimes it is that clear and I just love to listen to Jesus pray I want your will now let's go back to the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6 in our minds and let's just walk our way through that and hear this again. How do I pray when the known will of God is not what I want yet? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, say it with me, your will be done here in me right now. Lord, help me to do your will. That is always a prayer God delights to help us in and to answer. I listen to Jesus praying throughout his life from the beginning to the end. And we could say very clearly, he prayed without ceasing. He prayed in every circumstance. He always trusted in his father who is in heaven. And then the very last words that he prayed, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he breathed his last. He communed with God in every moment. 
Hey, listen, as we think about what are the real marks of a disciple, what does a disciple do? A disciple prays. A disciple prays earnestly because it's the way in which we stay in touch. Better than a text, it's, it's really staying connected with him. And we don't always see our answers immediately, but we know that we have a high priest in heaven who is tempted in every way as we were and we are. And the book of Hebrews says, therefore, let us draw near to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy in our time of need. If this is your time, I want to encourage you. Let's get on our knees before God. Let's be people who pray and trust him for big things, small things. We need prayer right now. Our world's in chaos. And the church has the unique position today to be people who are connected to God by prayer, even as, as our Savior was in every moment. We're walking in the way of Jesus so as we walk in the way of Jesus this week, let's be on our knees. Let's be praying without ceasing. Join me in prayer now. Father, I thank you for everyone who's listening to this this morning. Maybe it's evening time and you're tuning in to this message about prayer and prayer seems hard. I, I ask, Father, that you will help these glimpses into the life of Jesus awaken in us a desire to talk with you in every season of life, in every circumstance, when we're in grief and when we have challenges and when we're feeling blessed in every way. Lord, let prayer be the expression of our heart. As easy as texting, may it just be the way we commune with you and pour out our hearts to you. And I pray that you'll challenge us perhaps to go to our room and to shut the door and to pray with you in secret and know that you hear us in secret. And we trust you, God, to make us people who are devoted to prayer so that what happens in our life, in our family, in our community, in our neighborhood, in our church, in the world is the result of what only God could accomplish through prayer. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. We ask that you will bring these things to reality in our life. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. We all pray. Amen.